have for us tonight. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so go ahead and get in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 7. Last week we saw Joshua chapter 6. And in Joshua chapter 6 we saw Israel defeat Jericho. Remember, uh, we talked about identifying your own Jericho. I, I hope you did that last night. Um, rhetorical question, you don't have to raise your hand, but did, did you figure out, did you identify your own Jericho? That enemy in your life that seems like the inconquerable double-walled city on a hill that, that you just would rather let be there than actually try to face. Did you identify your Jericho? Did or have you since then sought what God's word has to say about it? Because that's how Joshua defeated Jericho. He sought God's word, God's counsel, because God is the general, at least if you let him be. If you're a Christian, God is the general in your life and wants to lead you into war. And so Joshua sought God's counsel and then obeyed it. Have you sought God's counsel in his word on how to defeat your Jericho? And if you haven't, if you're still not sure, talk to one of the counselors. We want to help you get over whatever it is you're battling in your life. And have you begun to take steps to conquer it? Because Jericho, even though it's scary and it is powerful and it's strong, it's conquerable. And I don't know what it is in your life. We talked about that last week. Um, but if you've identified it, you can begin to take steps to conquer it if you seek what God has to say about it. This week, we're in Joshua chapter 7. And before we can get there, though, we have to go back to Joshua 6 and see something that I purposely skipped. Joshua 6 had a lot of verses in it, but there were a couple of verses that are very key for tonight's study that I skipped on purpose that we need to go back and see. So go to Joshua 6. We'll start in verse 15 and get a running start and see if you remember where we're at here. It says in verse 15 that it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times, only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. You remember that? So they walked around the city one time a day for six days, and then on the seventh day they walked around it seven times, blew trumpets, and shouted, right? You guys remember that was a strategy that God gave Joshua that seems illogical, doesn't make sense, but it worked, right? And when they shouted, the walls came tumbling down. These are the verses that I skipped last week, though, and I want you to see these. Because in verse 17 through 19, Joshua says something very important to the people. He says, Shout for the Lord hath given you the city, verse 17, and the city shall be accursed, notice, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, remember, because of her faith, and she helped the spies, and, and she led a scarlet thread through the window, right? And she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye talking to them, in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed, when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse. Are, are you guys noticing a theme here? The word curse is in there a lot. And trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. God is very specific here. In, through Joshua, Israel is going to be allowed to take the spoils of a lot of the enemies that they conquer after this battle. But in this battle, God has very specific instructions for them. From Jericho, God says, don't take anything. It's accursed. It's cursed. The only thing that you will take is silver and gold and the vessels of iron and brass, and those are going to go into the Lord's house. Those are going to go into the sanctuary. God is the only one taking things from Jericho. That's, that's important. 
Because after verse 19, we see them conquer Jericho and everything seems good, remember? We ended last week with saying, look, you can conquer Jericho. This is great. Israel did it. Joshua did it. He obeyed God. They followed the Lord. It was great. Well, let's dive into Joshua 7. Look at verse 1. But, it's never good. The children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Dude, you had one job. Don't take from the cursed thing, right? I mean, it's kind of funny. It, it almost sounds like Adam and Eve. It's like, guys, you had one thing to not do. You do everything else. Just don't do the one thing. All through the Bible, we see man has a sin nature. We're evil. God says, hey, don't do that. And you're like, oh, but now I really want to do that, right? Like, that's, don't press this button. I didn't even notice that button was there, but now I really want to press it, right? God says, don't do this. And of course, there's one guy, one guy. It doesn't say all these people did it. One guy, this guy Achan, he's going to kind of be the main character in our story tonight. He takes of the accursed thing. And we'll see more about what that means in a little bit. But I want you to notice that only one man committed the sin, but God says the children of Israel committed a trespass. One guy ruined it for the whole group. Well, how is that fair? Well, I, I want you to remember our pictures here. Remember the nation of Israel as a whole is a picture of us individual New Testament believers, right? So one member of the whole committed a sin, the whole sin. So if you think about it like this, if you sin with your eyes or your mouth or your mind or anything like that or your hands, you steal something, is it just, is it just that part of you that is sin? No, it's your whole body is sin. So, so with Israel, in that picture, Achan sins, all of Israel has sinned. That how, that's how it works. Well, God's anger is kindled, of course, that's what it says, because he told you don't do this thing, and they did the thing. So what's going to happen? Well, look at verse 2 says, And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So what's happening here? Well, I, I've skipped your blank. Let me give you this so you can pay attention. It's fighting in the flesh. Fighting in the flesh. So what happens in verse, is verses 2 and 3 is they're coming to the next city after Jericho. It's the next enemy that they're going to fight, and the city is called Ai. Joshua sends out spies to, to check it out, just like with Jericho. Hey, go see the city. What are we dealing with? We'll form a strategy, just like we did with Jericho. This time, the men come back and say, hey, man, don't send the whole army. There, there's no point to that. Just send like two or 3,000 guys up there. It's a small city. Shouldn't be a problem. That's literally what they say. For they are but few. D don't make all the people to labor. So he says, there's no, there's no point in sending the whole army up. Just send a couple guys. Two, three thousand would have been nothing compared to the size of their army. And they, just, th and they just conquered Jericho. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. Just send, just send some of us up there. It'll make everyone go up. I mean, think about that. Israel's coming off a huge vic victory. Defeating Jericho is no small task. That is the biggest enemy that they have faced to date. And it was a, a city that was made for war. It was a fortress. And they conquered it because God was on their side. So after seeing God do that amazing thing, this small city of Ai should be no problem, right? This should be a piece of cake. Well, let's keep reading. Look at verse 4 and 5. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. 
And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. What happened? It says that the men fled from the men of Ai. They sent 3,000 guys up, and, and, and they had to turn tail and run because the men of Ai were beating them. And they killed 36 Israelites, and they had to, they had to peace out because they were losing. What, what happened? What, they, just came, they just beat Jericho. They beat Jericho, the big city, and now Ai, sh- which shouldn't take more than a couple thousand men to beat, they had to turn tail and run, and they suffered loss. They were defeated. What happened? I want you to notice, did, did Joshua consult God about the spies' advice when they came back and said, hey, you only need to send about two or 3,000 guys up? Did, did he consult God? No, no. In verse three, they said, for there but few, verse four, so there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men. Joshua didn't consult God. He heard the spies. He said, okay, if that's what you say, then let's do it. That's not how they defeated Jericho, was it? No. It's not how they defeated Jericho. He asked God what to do, and God gave the strategy, and he did it. He obeyed, remember, from last week. This time, he listened to his own counselors, he made his own strategy, and his, used his own logic, and they failed. <laughs> no, I mean, this all goes back, to, by the way, the next couple of weeks are all going to be about sp- spiritual warfare, and we see the same themes over and over. If you ask the Lord, seek the Lord, obey what he says, you win. Don't seek the Lord, use your own logic and strategy, fight in the flesh, you lose. It's the same every time, but yet we still do it over and over and over again. That's what happens when you fight in the flesh. God gave them the victory in Jericho, and somehow they let that get to their own heads. God gave them the victory. They did nothing but walk around a city for a week, and the walls fell down, and somehow they let that build their own pride. How is that even possible? They got prideful. They got egotistical. And now, when they see how small AI is, rather than asking God, God, what should we do? Because, man, you authored one of the most awesome fights in the world, one of the most awesome victories that I've ever seen. What do you want us to do? They think, oh, we got this. Just send a couple guys up. I mean, look what we just did to Jericho. They, they let it get to their head. All of a sudden, somehow, they, they forgot that God was the one who gave them that victory. And now, they're going to fight in the flesh. And you know what happens? You lose. And the reason they did is because they underestimated their enemy. That's your next blank. Never, never underestimate your enemy. The enemies of the Christian in this world, there are three. You have, obviously, the ultimate enemy himself, Satan, the devil. You have the world, which is the world's system that Satan uses. And then you have the flesh, which lives on you. That's the flesh that is broken because of sin. When you got saved and accepted Jesus as your Savior, your spirit was made alive. It was quickened, right? The book of Ephesians tells us. Your, your spirit and your soul was redeemed. But we're still awaiting the day, 1 Corinthians 15, when God will rapture us and he will give us new bodies. They won't sin. So we still have this flesh that wants the desires of this world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of sin. And so when we fight in the power of the flesh, we lose to the enemy because we are underestimating how powerful our enemy is. Israel said, oh man, they're, they're a small city. We got this. Teenager, let me tell you, when it comes to our enemies in life, whatever it is you're battling, we ain't got this. <laughs> we ain't got th- I don't care how small the enemy looks. I don't care how 
easy the problem seems. I don't care if it seems like, oh, I'm just a little depressed or if it seems like, oh, well, I've just got this small little addiction or whatever it is. Guys, we ain't got this. Whatever enemy you're battling, you need God to fight the battle. It's when we fight in the, in the power of the flesh and we underestimate the power and control of the enemy, that's when we lose. That's when we lose. Don't let previous victories that God gave you, by the way, puff you up and make you prideful because God is the only one who has given you those victories. And if you get puffed up with pride, you will fall because you're fighting in the power of the flesh. Proverbs 16 tells us that pride goeth before destruction and in haughty spirit before a fall. Pride always leads to a fall and to destruction because your pride lifts you up and all of a sudden you get your feet knocked out from under you. Proverbs 29, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Don't forget who your general is. If you have worked on your Jericho or whatever it is, maybe God's given you small victories in the past over things. Don't forget who gave you the victories. It was God. If you're fighting in the power of your flesh, you're gonna lose. And that's what happened here at AI. So number two, let's see how they respond. Responding to defeat. Responding to defeat. And we're gonna see Joshua's response first. And Joshua responds in despair. He's depressed, man. He's despondent. He is going downhill fast. Verse six. After this happens, and it says 36 men died, look at verse 6, Joshua rent his clothes, he tore his clothes, and he fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, the eventide. He and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan? Why did you bring us across the Jordan River? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh my goodness. He's distraught. God, why did you even bring us over here? Completely forgetting about Jericho. Man, what does that sound like? Any, anyone who was, who was in the Israel's example class, what does that sound like? Why did you even bring us here? We should have stayed back there. It, it sounds like Israel and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, doesn't it? Whenever God brings them out and things get hard, and they're, God, why'd you even bring us out of Egypt? At least we had food back there. <laughs> Taskmasters weren't so bad. Slavery wasn't so bad. But I'm hungry. <laughs> That's what Joshua does. He, he comes into a little bit of hardship, and all of a sudden, why do we why do you even come? Growing is hard. Being mature in Christ is hard. It's not easy. But don't get caught up in the flesh. It's funny how we, man, we do this. We, we like Joshua, we, we revert back to our immaturity when things don't go our way. Don't, don't go back over Jordan. Just trust God. So now, look at verse 8 and 9. He's going to try to sound a little more spiritual here instead of whining. Look what he says. He says, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? He says, what am I going to say to everybody if we, have to keep, if we have to keep surrendering and turning our backs and running away? Verse 9, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it. And they'll and, and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? You know what he's doing? He's saying, oh God, what about when everyone hears that we lost? They're, they're going to make fun of us and they're going to make fun of you and they're going to make fun of your name. Okay, okay Joshua, <laughs> you're being a little bit dramatic here. He, you know what he's really doing? He's shifting the blame to God. That's what he's trying to do here. God, why would you let this happen? Look what they're going to do. They're going to they're make fun of you. 
He's trying to blame God. We do that sometimes. And we do it under the guise of being spiritual. We do that. He's, he's blame shifting. Notice how God responds, though. God's rebuke. God ain't having, he ain't playing games. <laughs> God's rebuke. God is merciful, but he also don't play games. That's not really a verse, but you'll see what I mean. Verse 10. The Lord said unto Joshua, Boy, get up. He didn't say it that way. He said, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Can I give you the KO 2018 version? Get up. Why are you laying down? That's what God tells him. He, d- he doesn't say, oh, Joshua, it's okay. It's, it's going to be all right. And he picks up a coddle. No, get up. What are you doing? You're a general of a stinking army, man. Get up. Look at verse 11. Israel hath sinned. Get up. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have stolen, and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. I love when God uses the word stuff. It's just like so out, <laughs> like out of rhythm, stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. They couldn't stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed, like I told you. Neither will I be with you anymore, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. God doesn't give him any sympathy. He says, get up. You did this to yourself. Israel has sinned, and what that means is you went into battle without your general. You went into battle without me. Notice at the end of verse 12, he says, Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. You know, sometimes... The storms in life that we go through, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes they're self-inflicted. We like to over-spiritualize it sometimes. Oh, yeah, devil's just, I feel like sometimes I get into John Christ a little bit here. I'm sorry, I don't mean to do that. I've been watching too many of his videos. Oh, you know, the devil's just, he's really been, been messing with me this week. Oh, really? The devil made you not do your homework and that's why you have detention? I mean, come on, sometimes these things are self-inflicted. Sometimes we do this to ourselves, and we get this Job syndrome, I like to call it. We th- oh, I'm just like Job. Job was just a just and righteous man, and he faced all this testing, and there was no reason for it. Are, okay, are you? Or are you, do you just make dumb decisions sometimes? I know I do. Sometimes, guys, it's just us reaping what we've already sown. That's Galatians 6, by the way. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The idea is crap in, crap out. (laughs) If you do the right thing, if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. God says you lost because you're in sin. That's that's it. God's just blunt with him. So, So can I ask you tonight, if you're suffering from despair, from defeat tonight, Let me just ask you, and this is rhetorical, I don't know your situation, but is it your fault? Maybe you just need to own up a little bit tonight. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm not saying everybody's storm is like this. Certainly, we all have things that happen in our life that are out of our control. But is it your fault? Did you go into battle with your own plan and not consult God? More importantly, and this is where I want to kind of turn the message tonight, is there sin in your camp? Because that is what we see in Israel in, in their uh, example here in, in Joshua chapter 7. That's the name of the message. Is there sin in your camp? Israel went into battle AI with hidden sin in their camp. 
And God says, when you do that, I'm not with you. I'm not leading you into battle. You're fighting without your general, and you're fighting in the power of the flesh, and when you do that, you will not win. End of verse 12 again. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Now, Christian, I'm not saying that God's spirit is going to leave you when you sin. What I'm telling you is that your general is not fighting your battles when you bring hidden sin into the camp. Because you're fighting in the power of your flesh. You're not asking God. You're not consulting God's strategy. Notice Joshua didn't consult God's strategy, right? That's what happens. How can you expect to defeat the enemy when you've got hidden sin in the camp? Maybe, maybe that's what's been holding you back all along. Maybe you've been fighting without your general this whole time, and like Joshua, you have no idea why you keep losing. Well, I have good news. If that's what's been happening to you, you've been trying to come at this Jericho or whatever this, this battle is, this enemy that you're facing in life, and you keep losing, you want to ditch this sin, you want to get over it, whatever, but you can't seem to win, can I just ask you, maybe you've got an Achan in your camp? Last week we saw how to defeat Jericho. Now, number three, we need to see how to deal with Achan. Dealing with Achan. Because when you bring hidden sin into the camp, you can only be so spiritual. You can put a good mask on and fool everyone here, but when you're dealing with hidden sin in your life, how can you expect to defeat other enemies or defeat that enemy if you won't give that up to God? Look how God tells Joshua to deal with Achan. Verse 13. He says, up. First of all, get up. <laughs> sanctify the people. And say, and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. So the solution, the solution is sanctification. It's a big word. It's a Bible word. Sanctify just means to set apart. You know that church kid, right? It means to set apart. It means to make holy. In this case, God tells him exactly what sanctification means because he says, take away the accursed thing. He says, ye will not be able to stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. You're not going to be able to. The solution is you've got to deal with Achan. You have to sanctify yourself. You have to make yourself holy. How do we sanctify ourselves? John 17, 17 is the classic verse. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know what cleans you up? Do you know what gets the hidden sin out of the camp? What sets you apart and makes you holy and conform to the image of God? It's his word. It's the only thing. It's God's word. That's always the answer. You find what God's word says and you obey it and you apply it to your life. And God's gonna show us here what to do to deal with our aching. If you, if you have that in your life, pay attention because it's, I mean, we're going to be about 10 minutes and we're done. This, you, need to, you need to hear this part. This is very practical. If you've been dealing with that kind of a thing, check this out. The first thing you got to do, first bullet point there, is locate it. Locate it. We're going to read a little fast here, but just pay attention to the story. Joshua's going to obey what God tells him to do. And in verse 16, Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. In the verses prior, God says, listen, here's what you're going to do. You're going to bring the tribes before you, and I'm going to tell you, bring this tribe. And then from that tribe, I'm going to tell you, bring this family. And we're going to lower it down to who the offender is. So he does that. In verse 17, he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites. And he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. 
And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, a shirt, <laughs> and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them, and I took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. Okay, so what Joshua does, he obeys God. He finds the sin. So what Achan did was, even though God said, don't take from the spoils of this city, he saw a good Babylonish garment, a garment from Babylon that he liked, and he saw some silver and he saw some gold, and he coveted them. He said it, I coveted them, and I took them. So he stole. He stole from God because God said, that stuff is for me. So he steals this, and he hides it, buries it in his tent. Find the sin. You have to find it. It didn't take them long. It shouldn't be that hard. If you, if you have hidden sin in the camp, if you've got an Achan, God has probably already convicted you tonight of what that is. You probably already know. Oftentimes, our Achan is what we call a besetting sin. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That sin that so easily besets us, beset just means to surround or to, to make escape impossible. It defeats us. What is that sin that so easily conquers you, that surrounds you and makes you feel like escape is impossible? What, what's the one card that Satan seems to always play because he knows that you'll cave? He knows that it'll defeat you. What is a lot of, uh, for a lot of us, our Achan is a besetting sin that we've been quite frankly, convicted about ever since the message started tonight. You got, have you located it? It's that, it's that one thing that like Achan, you, you're embarrassed of or you're hiding, so what you do is you take it and you bury it deep down so no one can see it in your tent. No one knows about it except you. No one can see it. That's your Achan. If you aren't exactly sure and you're like, I don't think I have anything like that, that's okay. That's good. But let me tell you, what you should do is ask God to reveal to you tonight what's hindering you. What's hindering you? I don't think I'm saying anything funny back there. Psalm 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. David says, God, search me. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. D David says, God, search me and see if there's any wicked or evil thing in me. And lead me in the way that I should go. That's what we do. And you know what? Even if you know your besetting sin, ask him to do that too. Let's bring it all to the top and let's deal with it now. Let's deal with it. Locate the Achan. Locate the sin. Next point, destroy it. Destroy it. It's a lot like Jericho we saw last week. Verse 22, So Joshua sent messengers and they ran unto the tent and behold, it was hidden his tent and silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with the stones. Listen, they didn't just kill Achan. 
they destroyed everything associated with Achan. His family, his cattle, his possessions, the stuff he stole. Why? Why? That seems weird. Why did they destroy it? Because, like last week, guys, if you let any of that sin remain, it's going to come back. And we're going to see that in a couple weeks. Because Israel has this pesky issue of not getting rid of everything. But, in he, but right here, they do it right. They completely wipe it out. They stone him with stones, kill it, burn it with fire. I mean, I mean th- they destroyed the sin because this sin, this, this Achan, is what's keeping them from not only winning battles, but from feeling the presence of God. Guys, whatever this is that's in your life is hindering your growth with God. It's hindering you from defeating your enemies and growing and maturing. Why do you want to leave any little bit of that left in your life? Give it all to God. Completely annihilate it. Wipe it out. Don't let a little bit say, okay, I'll, I'll give most of it, but I'm going to keep this little bit back here. Why would you do that? you got to annihilate it. Get rid of it completely. Well, how do I do that? How do I destroy the sin? You guys know. We have to crucify the flesh. That's Romans 6. Let me remind you of Romans 6. It says in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, that's our flesh, before we knew Christ, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. When you got saved, you were crucified on that cross with Christ, your flesh. And if you're dead today, you're free from sin. Verse 11, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Reign means to rule, to be in charge. Don't let sin reign in your body. That ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin, Christian, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, you're under grace. Guys, sin having control in your life happens under your watch, by your permission. Because what Jesus did on the cross, if you've accepted his, his free gift for you, and he is your savior and you're saved, he completely wiped out the payment and the penalty of sin. And so if you're living under the power of sin today, you're living under shackles that you're sitting in, that are unlocked, that God unlocked. You're living in the power of sin by your own Permission. No one's making you do that. Christ already paid for it. Why do you want to live in bondage to sin that Christ set you free from? Annihilate it. Wipe it out. Some of you need to memorize Romans 6.12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. I remember that when I was 14 years old because I need that every stinking day because I still live in this flesh. And every year that goes by, it's, it's harder and harder to live a pure and righteous life for the Lord, isn't it? If you want to do this thing for real, you've got to destroy the sin. Memorize some scripture. Don't let sin rule you. Wake up in the morning and ask God that you would yield your, your members, your body, as instruments of righteousness to him, not unrighteousness to sin. Lastly, verse 26. Last verse of the chapter, they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So they stoned him with stones, burned him with fire, and then they heaped the pile of stones on top of him. You guys remember the last time we saw a heap pile of stones? 
That was in Joshua 5 when they crossed the Jordan. And God said, put a pile of stones there to remember what God has done. You remember that? So your last point there is don't forget it. Don't forget. Because the purpose of a pile of stones, as we saw in Joshua 5, is a memorial. It's to remember what God has done. But you know what? We don't only set up piles of stones for the victories. Sometimes we set up piles of stones when we, when we messed up, when we screwed up and God showed us what was wrong and his word convicted us and we got right with him. And we set up a pile of stones for this purpose so that we hopefully don't do that again. <laughs> right? If you keep finding yourself falling in the same besetting sin, man, deal with it. Locate it. You've probably already done that. Destroy it. Using God's word, sanctify yourself, set yourself apart, and don't forget what God has done for you. Don't, don't go back to that a week later because you remember what it used to do to you. Don't forget. Also notice, Achan is obviously dead at this point, but it'd be really hard for him to crawl out of a pile of stones heaped on top of him, wouldn't it? Listen, we crucify ourselves, when, when we crucify our flesh daily, it's really easy for it to crawl back off the cross <laughs> and come back into our lives. In Romans chapter 12 and verses one and two, it, it says that we should be a living sacrifice to God. We have to sacrifice ourselves daily. We're, we're, we're crucifying the flesh. We're dying to ourselves. The problem with the living sacrifice is it wants to crawl off the altar. So heap a pile of stones on it, man. It'll be hard for it to crawl back in. But you gotta do that. That's on you, man. You've got to do business with the Lord tonight. If you want to do this thing for real, and if you actually want God to lead you into battle, and you want to defeat Jericho, or maybe you have defeated Jericho, but then you stumbled at the next little enemy, like AI, because you underestimated your enemy, or you've got sin in the camp, I don't know what it is. But if you want to deal with that tonight, you can. Let's do that. God, we come to you. And Father, I don't know where everybody is at in the room. I know... They're all in high school, and I know what I had to deal with in high school, so I'm sure lots of them are struggling with something. And God, I just pray that they would want to be done with it, that they would want to have victory over whatever they're dealing with. And you want to give them victory. God, if they're saved, then, then you live inside of them, and, and you want to guide them and lead them and, and lead them in victory and battle. And, and you want to see them grow and mature in you and cross the Jordan and defeat their enemies and, and make disciples and share the gospel. But they keep tripping over this dumb sin or this little AI because they've got sin in their camp. God, I just pray that they would deal with that tonight. They'd locate it. They would destroy it. They'd give it to you. And that they wouldn't forget it. That they wouldn't turn back to that. And Father, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you as their Savior, Father, you're not even with them in the battle because they're on the wrong side. God, I pray that they would realize that they're a sinner tonight and the only way to get to heaven is to tr put their faith and their trust in you and what you did on the cross. That's the only way. There's nothing we can do to make us good enough to live with you in heaven for eternity. It's only what you did for us, God. And if we'll simply just confess and repent and believe on you, your word says you'll give us everlasting life. And if they'll do that today, God, they can begin their journey of defeating enemies and living for you and having purpose and joy and fulfillment in life. I pray that they would do that tonight. And Father, for those of us who are dealing with whatever we're dealing with, whether it's our Jericho or AI or an Aiken, God, I pray that we would just listen to what your word has taught us tonight and that we would seek to apply it to our lives.
Father, it's in your name I pray. Amen.